Hey, everybody, we're back. Leading Claret and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale here with you. Looking back to last couple home games, last home game, I should say, against Minnesota, road trip to L.A., looking ahead to a big September 10th matchup against D.C. United. It's David Ochoa's homecoming. RSL, five games left on the year, three home, two away. How many points can this club get? Can they run the table at home? Maybe nick a point in Austin. Big LA Galaxy visit coming up. It's nice to think about. You could be hosting a home playoff game if you do well. And if you stumble, despite a game in hand over Minnesota, Nashville, and Dallas, you could be on the outside looking in if you drop points. So we'll talk about all that and much, much more coming up next. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant, out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from OneWire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and OneWire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club, and they care about you. All right, Ryan, I know we got to look back at a disappointing 2-0 loss at LAFC. But before we get to that, we should just look back even three days earlier to what I would call a dominant three, nothing home win over visiting Minnesota. Great goals from Sergio Cordova early. It was nice to score first. Jefferson Savarino doubled that lead in the 23rd minute. So RSL up two nothing early. And then Anderson Julio with kind of the dagger, the, uh, the um, insurance goal in the 70th for a three, nothing win. Yes. It was against a rotated, Minnesota team, so no Reynoso, who I think is probably maybe third in the MVP race this year uh, behind Hani Mukhtar and Sebastian Drusi. But uh, all in all, it was a great uh, midweek game at Rio Tinto Stadium. You had the teddy bear toss, uh, which went viral worldwide. Pretty cool thing that will become part of the club's kicking childhood cancer uh, tradition, I'm sure, going forward. And uh, it was just nice to score an early goal and then, um, you know, kind of step on the opponent's neck, if you will, which showed maybe a little bit of killer instinct. And I think it it was the first time in 50 games that RSL had scored two uh, goals in the first half. And it was the first time in 129 games, if you can believe that, Ryan, that we scored twice in the first 23 minutes. So, 
Uh, Zach McMath gets a shutout. It was his ninth of the year. I don't even think he had to make. I don't even think he had to make a save against Minnesota. Um, obviously, you had a third game that week. Then in LA, um, RSL was able to hold it down and get to halftime at zero zero, despite kind of being under it for most of the first half. LAFC had lost three in a row on the road. They were coming home. They were hungry. I got to tell you, man, that atmosphere at Bank of California Stadium, I stood for the whole first half down in that south end in front of the 3252, and it was just fun. It was a great atmosphere. They were singing. They were chanting. I know their fans have been jerks sometimes when they come here uh, to Sandy and their visitors, and they're throwing stuff on our fans below them, but Man, in that building, they were warm and welcoming and just happy to celebrate their excellent team and celebrate soccer. And um, unfortunately, RSL gives up kind of a crummy goal three minutes into the second half. Silva and McMath kind of banged into each other, took each other out, and uh, was at Hollingshead, I think, that was able to just bang it home. And then uh, they got a second goal you know, 20 minutes later. Uh, Zach McMath did well to save a Carlos Vela penalty kick, and David Ochoa saved a Vela penalty kick against LAMC a year ago. And then Zach McMath this year, his second PK save actually uh, this season, so that's a good sign going forward in case there's uh, future ones. But RSL on the attack in LA, never able to get going. Um, we did see the debut of Brian Ojeda. We saw the first start. For Brian Oviedo, a uh, little bit of a different look. Uh, Rubio Rubin started sort of on that wing position. Miram and Chang got a chance to rest a little bit. Uh, Pablo Ruiz did not play uh, a week ago in Minnesota because he spilled uh, boiling water on his torso, torso with the yerba mate. Uh, but he was back at LAFC. Uh, Scott Caldwell, I thought, did really, really well uh, against Minnesota. Obviously, that LAFC game might look a little different if Glad and Jasper aren't serving yellow card suspensions, but that's just part and parcel of playing games this time of year. You know you're going to have three-game weeks. You're going to have to rotate guys due to injury and suspension. And uh, at the very least, uh, Justin and, and Jasper end up getting a, a little bit of extra rest, and they should be fresh going into this three-game week which starts Saturday night against DC United. The team goes to Austin uh, midweek on the 14th, Wednesday, and then back at home Saturday the 17th against Cincinnati. And I think if this team wants to peak going into the playoffs and, and have any shot of hosting a home playoff game, you got to get the full three points against both of these Eastern Conference visitors. DC United, the worst team in the league. And FC Cincinnati chasing an Eastern Conference playoff position much improved over the last couple of years. So anyway, that's a lot, uh, but that's a big 30,000-foot view of where we're at. And uh, I guess just what were your thoughts on uh, first the Minnesota game, but then also the LAFC performance? Yeah, when you get those games back-to-back like that, it's kind of – they kind of – Blur together a little bit. I think that the, the contrast that I'm seeing between the Minnesota game and the, the LAFC game, uh, Minnesota was RSL capitalizing on mistakes and uh, LAFC was uh, 
RSL getting their mistakes capitalized on, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of a, you know, it's a telling thing. That's, you know, usually the teams that, that win are the ones that capitalize on mistakes. And I think you see that, you know, with the way that those those goals were scored, I mean, it's, I'm thinking of Julio's goal against uh, against Minnesota. I mean, those, those games that, that when you just take whatever little thing they give you and you turn it into a goal, I think that's, um, you see RSL doing that when they have the chance, when they're up against teams that are going to, are mistake prone, they, they, they definitely take advantage of that. The trick is, you know, like thinking about that goal with uh, McMath and Silva running into each other. It's like little tiny things, you know, that should yep. that would never happen in training, never happen anywhere else, but happen one one time, and it gets you know it costs a goal. That's kind of stuff's frustrating, but I think um, at least it puts the the. I think you kind of kind of see like, well, there's some things that need to be. You got to be up to play these teams that are at the top of the table for sure. Um, I did like seeing uh, Oviedo. That was uh, he, he was a uh, watching him even for his he was on was he on for sixty minutes? Um, I felt like he yep. did. I thought he was solid. I thought he was in good interesting places. Um, I always like to see the one of the things that I'm um, watching on TV um, when the ball is leaving the frame of the, you know like it's getting cleared and you mm -hmm. see like people pop up on it. I always like to see who's popping up on these the the, the ball that's getting cleared. And it seemed like Oviedo was always the one that was popping up on the ball as it was as as they were trying to clear it away, which something Kyle Beckerman used to do. He used to be the one you could count on <laughs> as the ball was rolling out of frame. Um, another thing I noticed uh looking at the national coverage of the game and you know Twitter and all this sort of stuff, Diego Luna gets a lot of attention. He didn't have you what he played 25 minutes I think he was on for. Was it even that much? Twenty minutes um, in LA. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. And he he played a fair amount against um, Minnesota as well. I think you know part of the disappointment maybe is people were hoping he might start in LA um, with it being the third game in a week. But and I think I've said it here before. I Luna is universally loved. He's had probably his best couple weeks of training uh, the last few weeks. But coming in midseason, um, and the team has really spent a lot of the season playing without a 10, and that's his natural position. Obviously, the way our midfield is gone, you have Miram pinching in from the left or Savarino kind of pinching in from the right or playing underneath uh, Cordova in order to provide that number 10. But uh, now that you do have Ojeda here, maybe you can – can you try a diamond? with Luna at the 10, uh, Ojeda at the 6, and then Jasper and Pablo Ruiz as your shuttlers. That may be something we get a look at in the preseason next year because I'm sure Pablo uh, Mastroeni would love to have additional versatility because um, we've seen the 3-5-2, we've seen the 4-2-3-1, we've seen a kind of an empty bucket, flat 4-4-2. We've seen a lot of different things, but being able to add uh, – some midfield flexibility and look Diego Luna, once he gets a preseason with the team, once he kind of gets that full crash course, if you will, in defensive tactics and, and that side of the ball, because for Pablo Mastroeni, that is actually where it all starts. And it's not that he doesn't get a little bit of that in every day in training and in the video review and stuff, but uh, every player and coach, that I've ever been around and talked to really believes that having those five or six weeks uh, before the year starts, not only to create a foundation for your fitness, as we've heard him talk about with Rubio Rubin this year, but also to have kind of the foundational tactical understanding. Um, 
is just so, so critical. And that doesn't mean that Diego isn't going to end up being a tremendous uh, pro. He's obviously got all the attacking skill in the world. It's, okay, if he's at the 10, this is what he needs to do on both sides of the ball. If he's on one of the wings, if he's playing the eight and kind of being a two-way guy. like, um, And look, I don't want this to be misinterpreted as anybody saying like Diego is going to be saddled with these massive defensive responsibilities, but he's just, you know, he's an 18 year old attacking midfielder and, you know, Carlos Valderrama had maybe earned the right to go out there and have people do all the dirty work for him. Um, But the way this team is set up right now, and some may say even without like a true six, because Ojeda is a very athletic um, and that's what we'll find out, right? As he kind of gets integrated into the team, is can he be that that killer Diego Chara, Kyle Beckerman esque six that really frees everybody else up around him and ahead of him? Um, Diego's not there yet, but he did have a couple sequences, and I know what you're talking about because Matt Doyle does a good job of highlighting um, uh, Diego's kind of uh, exploits. So, look, I think as we get into especially this three-game week, five games left and in the playoffs, um, I think Diego Luna is going to continue to excite people and kind of announce his his presence as a first-tier professional in this country uh, with authority. Yeah, I think we saw some quality from him. I think we've seen a lot of quality from him in even just his little cameos that he's able to – you know, when he gets on the ball, I think he's got a plan and he's, you know, I think people are, he knows how to communicate and all that kind of stuff. Um, a couple of other- look, one, one thing, Ryan, real quick, if, if RSL scores first, like it did against Minnesota, um, or has a two goal lead early, like it did against Minnesota, then that that's going to enable Pablo to put Diego in with more time. And then, then the club can use, possession and use the ball to kind of defend that lead because it's just you know we some of these situations we've seen Diego thrown in late with seven ten minutes left and you're you're chasing an equalizer although he he obviously changed uh the tempo in San Jose and made that one possible yeah um it's just it's a little easier I think uh for him to go in and put his stamp on the game if um if there's just a little more comfort. And so game state is always one of those things that that coaches talk about a lot in terms of it dictating who and how and when they utilize their substitutions. Um, A couple other guys I wanted to just highlight there, because I think, I think we've been seeing some good stuff. Caldwell coming in. I think Caldwell has been one of those people that like, I don't know anybody's ever, nobody's completely attached to him as like, this is one of our guys, you know, but when you see him on the field, I'm, I'm consistently impressed with him. I think he's, uh, He's filling in that spot very well. Um, you can tell that he's, you know, he's got experience there. And I think that maybe one of those things that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to get my finger on like how, you know, RSL fans are like re- responding to him. I just, we haven't seen him a lot. And I don't, I think that people don't maybe, but I, I really feel like he's, he's very much a very solid addition to this team. And I think what we've been seeing from him has been, you know, great. I think he's, he's deserved every minute he's been on the field, I think. Yeah, look, um, we've got a chance to see a lot of guys and like Rubio Rubin is now 90 minutes healthy really in the last couple of weeks for the first time all year. Uh, Danny Musofsky made the trip to LA. 
So hopefully he can contribute, right? Um, we talked about Ojeda. Uh, we talked about Oviedo. And I, I think Oviedo has been a revelation. And like in the three-game week that we have coming up, being able to have Oviedo, Brody, and Herrera, you know, kind of rotate if needed. You got three guys for two spots. The last time we had three guys for two outside back spots was when we had Beltran, Winger, and Robbie Russell all like sharing duty, you know, in the early or mid Jason Christ days. Um, you've got multiple midfielders for that position. Um, obviously, you've got Savarino, Cordova, Musovsky, Julio, and uh, Rubin all at that striker position up top. Justin Miram and Michael Chang have played a ton of minutes this year. Um, can you put Savarino back out on the wing like he was the first few games that he was back? Um, I, I think, look, you don't have Demir still. Uh, Bobby Wood uh, had a little bit of a setback uh, in training this week, so I don't think we'll see him on the weekend. But um, if you can get either or both of those guys too back uh, by, let's say, the L.A. game, October 1st, and then October 9th, Decision Day. Um, even without those two, Pablo has more healthy bodies than he's had all year. And so um, you just have a lot of depth and versatility. And, uh, and hopefully if you can keep guys fresh, you can try to establish the game and, and be on the front foot uh, both home and away. And like Pablo said in his media availability today, this time of year, there's more pressure on the home team and road teams are going into places and kind of playing with house money. And uh, we certainly didn't see that from us uh, probably at LAFC. And maybe that's a little bit because you don't have glad and you don't have Jasper who are just two guys that um, have really been, key cogs in the engine and certainly along the spine this year. Um, but the way, I guess the speed and grace with which Ojeda and Oviedo have integrated themselves into uh, training and in the brief game appearances we've seen from them, um, it could be exciting to see what they bring against DC United, Austin, and Cincinnati this week. There's a direction and drive that um... – I don't know. Going back and looking at, at games from last year, this time, not that I mean they 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 finished across uh, on, they finished above the playoff line, but I didn't feel things didn't feel as cohesive as they feel right now, and I think that that's that's something to be said about what's happening right now and the the you know where this this team is going. Yeah, it's funny. Remember last year, you know, it was just such a it was such a win loss win loss win loss after Pablo took over uh, for Freddie. And I'm trying to think. We won the road game in San Jose, and we won the road game in Dallas um, with Miram with those two assists off the bench late. And so you feel like you got some momentum going into the playoffs, and then we lost back-to-back home games um, uh, against Portland and San Jose. And then you end up having to go get the the, the miracle in Kansas City just to get in, and obviously you have the Seattle, uh, the 120 minutes in Seattle. You win that PK shootout. Uh, you win another game in Kansas City, come from behind, and then you know your season ends in the West Final in Portland. So, to your point, I think 
we should feel a little more confident and certainly a lot more stable uh, right now this year. And, you know, I, I do think a pretty simple stat under Pablo in terms of 10 wins, one loss, and four draws in, you know, what we call bounce back games or games after losses, that speaks so much to the mentality under Pablo that in his 42 games as head coach, we've only had back-to-back losses once. And that was the San Jose and Portland home games last year. And, you know, the San Jose game was crazy. I think we were up one nothing, Then we were down 4-1. We closed it to 4-3. And then I think it was only three days later, four days later, it was a midweek when we honored Kyle Beckerman. And you lose 3 nothing, Or no, sorry, was, I think it was 3-1 to Portland. I think we were down. Three nothing at halftime, and then Albert got one back in the second half. But those were just two very disappointing home performances, and I feel like this group is much stronger uh, mentally. At least, knock on wood. I hope, but certainly, I can't help but be like every fan right now. And you look at the standings, and you think, man, if we had those two points. Uh, that we dropped late against Vancouver, those two points we dropped late at home to Colorado, um, even the the home loss to Dallas, one nothing loss. I think we feel like we probably should have won that game. Um, we'd be right up there, probably with with Austin um, battling for second or third if you just have uh, those points. And like Pablo has said all year, it's moments. And you switch off for a moment, and it can undo 90 minutes of great work. And, I mean, even going all the way back to April, Demir's last game, Demir's last goal um, – sorry, not his last game. His last goal was that was that match against Toronto um, that I think if we had finished our chances, we'd probably win that game 5-1, but you end up settling for a 2-2 loss. And like you've said often on, on this show, the points in March and April and May mean the same as the points in – September and October, but um, certainly things are a little more tense this time of year and they seem like they're worth more, but we could very easily, you know, be battling for second or third right now if if we just had closed out a, a few games here and there. Now, as Pablo right, rightfully points out, if you're going to count those points lost, you got to kind of tip your cap to the points you picked up maybe in New England, maybe in San Jose, uh, the comeback in Montreal, like that, that may have kind of gone against the run of play, if you will. Um, so hopefully, I guess those things even out, and and they've taught us a lot of lessons. And you know, look, if we're up one nothing or two nothing late against DC United or Cincinnati, um, like we were against Minnesota, like we find a way to get that last goal, that insurance dagger, ice uh, breaker, whatever you want to call it and uh, close out for the full three points. And going back to that Minnesota game, I mean, that that Andrew Brody pass through the middle of the defense uh, to spring Julio, it reminded me so much of Savarino's pass to Cordova at Seattle, Jasper's um, pass as well to set up uh, – who did he set up? I think it was Cordova in the home game against – it might have been the first goal against Vancouver, actually um, – it's just great to see Brody's growth as a playmaker. He's got two goals, five assists. I think if you had told me back in February that those would be the numbers Brody would put up and that he would have played all but 45 minutes of, of this season, um, I don't think I would have believed you. But um, 
I'm excited. And if somebody had told me that Jasper Loffelson was not only going to make the team, but was going to have, you know, 17, 18 starts and 25 appearances or whatever, I, I wouldn't have believed that either. So um, you have to tip your cap and pay homage to, to those surprises. And, you know, certainly we've seen Sergio Cordova heat up. He's got five goals in eight games um, leading into the LAFC game. Obviously he got blanked and came out after 65 minutes there. Um, Saverino and Cordova have scored or assisted on 14 of the club's last 19 goals. Um, so obviously those two guys are, are powering the offense and if they can maybe get hotter and a couple other guys can join them. Um, I really do like our chances these last five games. And again, Ryan, if, if we can run the table at home, maybe get at least a draw, if not a win against LA, then I think of a, a fourth seed in a home playoff game is a lock because uh, Minnesota, sorry, Nashville, Dallas have all played more, have played one more game than us. Portland's played one more game than us. LA Galaxy have played one fewer. I think Minnesota's on the same as us, but all these teams that we're jockeying for a position with, they have to play LAFC. They have to play Austin. They play each other. So again, it's all about focusing on ourselves. Can we take care of business at home, do what we do against both DC United and Cincinnati. Um, right now we have the third best home record in the league behind um, LAFC and Philadelphia, the two supporter shield teams. We have eight wins, two losses, four draws. If you can get that to 10, two and four going into uh, decision day against Portland and who knows that Portland team may be locked into a six or a seven seed, and they may be fighting the Galaxy in Seattle uh, to be in or out in the seventh or eighth seed. So time will tell, but that's going to be a huge, huge uh, opportunity to, to do what we do uh, at the riot on state street and hopefully, um, you know, be authoritative. Yeah. I was just, you know, all these, these performances we've been seeing, I think that, that we're, we're starting to see, like you're saying like those, the, the lapses are getting further and fewer and further between, um, the team that played in New York earlier this year doesn't exist anymore. And I think we're seeing a lot of different yeah. things that are happening and just player performances. I mean, the only reason I didn't bring up Brody earlier when we we're talking about that is because I think when we start talking about Brody, it just keeps going on and on. Maybe there's room in this market for just a Brody Stan podcast, but uh, he's that there's nothing, but I haven't, I haven't been anything but impressed with him this year, watching him play and just uh, seeing, you know, seeing this is a guy who's grown up right in front of us and he's, uh, you know, he's, I, I can't think of anybody, any team in this league that wouldn't be better with Andrew Brody on it. So, um, but yeah, um, looking at this, uh, as we're looking down through the rest of these, these, uh, this next month here, it's like, it's kind of feeling a little bit like, uh, one of those college football conferences that kind of eats itself alive before, you know, <laughs> before bowl games. And, yeah. uh, and it, we're kind of seeing like, you know, every team is a little bit vulnerable every I mean, we've seen like, we've seen LFC, you know, stumble this last month. We've seen some other things happen. LA galaxy and Portland are obviously vulnerable. Seattle is not exactly what they were. And, uh, you know, RSL has these chances to, to, to capitalize on that and the danger of like tripping it though, you know? So I'm, I'm glad that we're seeing a lot of these things. Um, I do, you know, we, every time we bring up Demir, I'm always like, what would this team look like with Demir? What would last year's team have looked like with Savarino on it? That's another thing I was thinking of. Um, but uh, but th there's so many things that are going right now for this team. And, you know, with uh, you know all of the things that come with, like, being a fan of a team and be the frustrations of a season, you know, a season of frustrations and, you know, highlights and whatever, 
Um, I do think it's every time I turn on the every time I turn on a game or every time I'm in the stadium, I was like, this is the team I want to watch play. And this is the team I want to, you know, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm holding on and just, you know, let's just get through this. It's always like, this is going to be, this game is going to be great. And so I, I obviously think that about um, this weekend. Um, I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for the the homecoming of, of our boy Ochoa. I think he's going to be, I mean, I'd love to see that guy succeed too. I'm hoping that he finds a good situation there in, in DC, but it is. Yeah. It sounds like Wayne Rooney really likes him. Um, he's gotten a good run of starts here. He's played pretty well. Uh, they're not a great team. They've obviously had a lot of difficulties. RSL might be dodging a little bit of a bullet in that one of the, the DC United all-stars taxi Funtas, I think had a concussion and I don't even think he made the trip uh, to Utah they're expecting him back uh, middle of next week. Uh, but they've got Kristen Benteke. Uh, they've got a very motivated, I'm sure, David Ochoa. Uh, they've got other talented players. And, and like Pablo likes to say, this league is the one league in the world where the table doesn't really tell you who's good or who's bad. Because on any given day in MLS, anybody can beat anybody. And, and Ryan, I hate to bring this up, but we only have to go back to the Open Cup final in 2013 when DC United was the worst team in the league. They'd only won three games all year, and they came in here on October 1st of 2013 and won uh, the U.S. Open Cup final at Rio Tinto Stadium. And um, that was just awful, awful, awful memory. It still hurts. <laughs> Jeez, uh, you know, you don't get that many – you don't get that many opportunities to lift a trophy in front of your home fans. And, and we had, I think 19,000 in the building that night and uh, you lose one, nothing. The goal by DC United uh, was from a midfielder named Lewis Neal who had actually been in preseason uh, with us that year. Unfortunately, his mother passed away in the middle of preseason and, um, and Jason let him obviously go deal with his family, but he was not able to come back to us and he ended up at DC United. And then, you know, six, seven months later, probably scored the highlight of his professional career. Right. And um, so that was a tough night. That's actually the only time that DC United has won um, in Sandy. Uh, they did win their first ever visit to Rice Eccles in 2005, but on Utah soil, RSL is in MLS play is, you know, 10, one, and I think two ties, so, you know, look, none of that history matters. I think I love, love talking about stats and trends and history, but like Pablo says, you start the 90 minute zero zero and you have a winner or a loser from there. And all the, all the stuff in the past doesn't matter. The, the altitude, the weather, the turf, the surface, all that stuff, uh, throw that out the window. He's very much against introducing um, extraneous variables like, history and all that kind of stuff. But um, I look, I think RSL is probably the better team top to bottom. Uh, we're at home. We're going to have a 15th consecutive sellout. It is a big day for the club. There's a major, major announcement uh, earlier that day that, that I think once it happens, people will start to understand why it's such a big deal for this club um, to have made some of the accomplishments uh, that it has made this year. And that's why uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber is going to be here on Saturday. Um, so it should be a great night at Rio Tinto. Hopefully uh, we get the three points because that's at the end of the day, that's what everybody probably 
cares about the most um, on this particular evening and getting a little bit closer to solidifying uh, a playoff spot, potentially a home playoff game, and just creating momentum going into Austin. And I'm excited to go to Austin next week. I've never seen that stadium except on TV. Uh, I think we lost one nothing there last year. Uh, Austin's clearly a much better team this year, and it should be a lot of fun because they, you know, they're uh, they're still fighting for uh, playoff positioning as well. And you know, they might have that second seed close to locked, but it's not uh, not completely locked up yet. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I, yeah, hearing already the the sellout numbers and things like that, I think that we're we're in for a treat if you're if you're there um, this this weekend. Um, you brought up uh, U.S. Open Cup. I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, Orlando City won this year this weekend with against Sacramento, but it was good good to see some uh, some old RSL faces there. Mark Briggs, of course, the the old Monarchs coach, the coach of Sacramento. So uh, Douglas Martinez out there. Um, he scored some great goals in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, he didn't get a, he didn't get the quite get a chance in this game. And then I think I saw Cappy there too. Had the old kit man, the old RSL. That's right. He's there in the Sacramento. There. Yeah. So good to see those guys. Love, love seeing like the, the extended RSL family. You know, it's amazing to see like Sacramento in that game too. I think that that's just a, a you know, that, that just speaks to what uh, Mark Briggs is capable of doing with the team. So, I mean, we saw it here in, in, with the Monarchs and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just good to see those guys having success. Yeah. Always happy to see Mark Briggs. Um, a guy who deserves good things uh, to happen to him. Uh, we miss him here. Anybody that spent time around him here as part of the Monarchs uh, knows what a great guy he is and what a great coach he is. And, uh, man, man, what a run for those guys. And obviously it, it hurts to see it end, but I think they handled it uh, with class. Mark's always a good Twitter follow. And, uh, and he's done great things there in Sacramento. They're trying to, get back into contention to uh, rise to MLS. They obviously had a ownership setback a couple years ago after uh, they thought they were uh, locked into to being maybe major league soccer's 29th or 30th team, but um, uh, it was not to be at least not at that time. So yes, congrats to him, Douglas and uh, always love seeing Cappy on, on my TV screen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Trey, thanks for thanks for calling tonight. Obviously, if you, you could tell if you're listening to this, that Trey's Trey's on the phone. Usually, that's not the way. We usually find a way to to connect, but it's been such a crazy busy week, so it's, it was hard to catch up with you this week. So, thanks. thanks yeah, for a lot going on. All good stuff. Uh, looking forward to an exciting uh, playoff run out for RSL, and uh, obviously, we'll we'll keep bringing you uh, everything we can from RSL land as we uh, get into really the most exciting part of the season where. The games mean a little bit more. Emotions run high, hopefully higher than lower. And uh, the intensity is just ratcheted up a notch. But the team is healthy. The team is happy. And uh, I think they all realize that now is the time to kind of seize some of these opportunities that they've been uh, building towards all year. Yeah, after, after a season full of playoff atmosphere games in the regular season, as we get to actual playoffs, uh, I don't even know what's good. I can't even imagine. It's yeah, can't wait. Uh, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you, Ryan, for making this happen. And uh, look forward to chatting with everybody next week, um, maybe uh, after the Austin game or when we get back to town and look ahead to, to what the table looks like 
uh, for Cincinnati. Big night, September 17th, will honor Dave Checkets. He's being inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame on Monday the 19th, but we'll have him and his family out uh, at the stadium and the little halftime ceremony against Cincinnati. So if you don't have your tickets yet uh, for visiting FC Cincinnati on the 17th in Sandy, uh, get those done. That's going to be another great opportunity to grab three points to celebrate the past, the present, and the future of Real Salt Lake. All right, everybody. Great stuff. Ryan, thank you for listening. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Claret Cobalt. You can also email us rsltrey at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm slash bleeding claret. Sorry, anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt. Click the message button. We'll check that inbox and see what suggestions you have for interview ideas, story ideas, trivia time, whatever you guys want to do. That's what we will do here for you. Thank you to our friends at One Wire Fiber, specifically Adam Sessions, for making Bleeding Claire and Cobalt possible each and every week on your podcast service.